Okay, ready? Think what you know, and it's about a time when you get yourself in we are. I want to know something she's done. I think about everyone you need. I'm holding it, things are rooting real now. I have seen you wanting you. Hey. The tour ratio. Okay, though. The Toretto. Okay, though. That might be the best question I've ever been asked. You're a phenomenal person. I mean, you legendary. I am a fan of you, my brother. I just feel like rap fans, the common rap fans nowadays, want to get enjoyment to seeing artists fuck their life up. I think rap fans want to see y'all fuck Not all of them. But some rap fans want to see y'all fuck your lives up. Some of them do because they like, see like, us. Like the level of like going to prison, ODing, dying, whatever. You think that's what fans want to see? People would be so eager to say, oh, rest in peace to somebody. He's a legend nowadays. Then them bigging them up when they're alive. That's a hard truth and a hard pill to swallow. They always want to say free somebody. But when it was free, you don't pr- appreciate them. My main thing is... Most people don't give a shit about you and will probably say the craziest thing to you before something bad happens to you. And then once it happens to you, now you want to be in open arms and be like, oh, I, love I really you. love this person. This, that, and the third. Then where was the love? If you're going to show love, show love. If you're going to hate, hate. Stay a hater, even after my death. Denzel Curry is one of the hot MCs of today. He's got an album out called Melt My Eyes, See Your Future. This is an incredible conversation about MCing, about depression, about trauma, about dealing with the tragic death of his brother, and so much more. Let's get into it. It's Denzel Curry on Torre Show. So you have a better work environment in L.A. Yeah, because everybody that who I need, who I want to work with or talk to is out there. They're in Miami. It's like rare to see somebody in Miami. A majority of the time, they ain't coming there to work. But you grew up in Miami, but now you're in L.A., and there's a specific hip-hop culture in L.A. Yeah. Is that affecting your music? Mm, I wouldn't say it is. I just think, like, you know, it just gave me more people to work with. I guess that's a way it's affecting my music. But overall, I'm still me, like, you know? I mean, I know in terms of my art, and I'm not making music, but when I'm writing, if I'm in New York versus if I'm in Montego Bay Mm -hmm. versus I'm in L.A., just a little different feelings and thoughts come out, you know? And we see this a lot of artists, you know, they record in London or here or there, just different vibes come out. Right. Is that happening to you? Because L.A. is I mean, special yeah, in I mean, hip-hop. I mean, I would say it's different from Miami because usually um, when it comes down to people I'm working with, I didn't have that many people to work with. Like I had people that I worked with for sure, but it was like people on the local scene and stuff like that. And like people that never left Florida. Me, um, when it came down to working in LA, I worked with a major, like pretty much a variety of people, you know, like from Bad Bad Not Good to Key Glock to all these guys, but Key Glock sent the verse in, but you know, working with people like Robert Glasper and then next thing you know, working with somebody like Adahi, or Zakari. Just so many people that you work with. Buzzy Lee. Yeah. So, of course, it's going to change and it's going to shift and the music is going to sound different because, like, you're working with different people and different producers that I didn't have that much access to until I went out there because that's where they go. What do you love about MC? What I love about MCing? You get to tell your story, man. You get to put it in a way that's creative. Like, my main thing is I'm not a rapper. I'm an artist. So okay, I don't. What does that mean? A rapper is just rap. Yeah, an artist is an artist. Like rap, might sing, might mm-hmm. do anything. Exactly. So that's in the Lauren Hill 
might do anything. She's not just emceeing. She might sing. She might do whatever. Like, yeah. that's what you mean? Yeah, no, more so, like, as an artist, like, visually, you could put it together. Um, oh. Rapping-wise, you could put it together. Um, even expressing yourself in a martial artist type of aspect, you could put it together. Like, I just see myself overall as an artist. That's how I always see myself as. Just a creative person. Yeah. And whatever, and I can create in all different sorts of ways. Mm-hmm. It sounds like like Kanye is like I'm um, I'm clothes, I'm music, I'm movies, I'm whatever I yeah. need to be. That's what you're saying. Yeah, because I remember that's exactly what I'm saying. Because what Kanye West was saying was, you know, he's all these things. He's like, when it comes down to creation, you are the closest. You want to get to the closest to how you were as a child. When you have yes. all these possibilities of creating, you have to be a child. That inner child has to stay there. Because the moment you start thinking as an adult, for real, for real, in the creative process, it'll be dull. It'll be stupid. It's not. Well, you start, as an adult, you start thinking about possibilities, right? And budgets and like what people think it's supposed to be. And the child has like, anything is possible. Yes. You have to remain optimistic. And when you can get to that, anything is possible. Like, like the child can break boundaries because they don't care, right? Like, I want to color outside the lines. I want to be an astronaut who's also a miner, who's also a trucker, whatever. Like, yeah, and okay. an adult would tell them that's not possible. You can't do all right, right. Yeah, because they want you to be realistic because it never happened for them, you know? So they had to think realistic at some point because whatever they wanted to do, whatever aspirations they had just never happened for. So how do you continue to tap into that, that childlike creativity vibe? You know, even though you're a man now, but you can still, right. You can still tap into that boy that you were. How do you do that? Well, is understanding the inner child first and foremost so you could be able to come close to protecting that you know if your inner child is gone is not there you have no creative power you have no creative juice and usually majority of the time I would think to myself like I can't do this I can't do that I can't do this I can't do that and once you fill yourself up with doubt what you're gonna do you're not gonna do anything so even like no I'm gonna do this 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 because that's how a kid is he's like I'm gonna do this I'm gonna do whatever I want I could be in this. I'm gonna eat what I want. I mean, not. That's how I do it, but in an artistic way. So that's what fuels me. And even if I can't think of something, I'm like, well, I'm going to just draw. I'm gonna just draw until I can't draw no more. All right, I don't feel like drawing. I'm gonna go back to rapping. Oh, I don't feel like rapping. I'm gonna go spin kick somebody today, or maybe get spin kicked in the face. Somebody spin kicked the shit out of me. Wait, you're into martial arts? Hell yeah. Which which one you into? Muay Thai. And. And you you get in the ring and you get kicked and you kick people. I spar a lot. Are you good? I used to spar every Friday. I'm pretty good. I've been doing this shit for like five years. And I mean, getting knocked out. Well, I could get better. I got hit with a liver shot. I'd rather get knocked the fuck out. <laughs> than hit with a liver shot? Hell yeah. Why? Because you're a be- liver shot. You feel that bitch, <laughs> and you're and you're conscious. And you be spitting blood? No, no, I don't be spitting blood and nothing like that. I mean, my toe bled at one point in my in my life. I had a couple um, welts on my leg once from when getting leg kicked a lot. Um, also, getting flipped, you know what I'm saying? Getting sweeped. Because in Muay Thai, they have this thing called sweeps, and they got dumps. So if you dump somebody, you're like, mm, you know what I'm saying? Or you sweep, you catch a kick, sweep them, you know? So they have, like, different things. And that's fun to me, you know? I mean, I don't mind you it. will never have more adrenaline than when you're fighting somebody and like, right? I mean, your shit is jacked. Yeah. Well, I love, I like fighting because if you look at it, like I said, bring it back to the inner child, you got to understand the inner child. And my, you know, childhood, my brother was a backyard fighter. During oh, wow. the, yeah, during the time he passed away, but during the time of a Kim, like that era of Kimbo Slice, you yes. know, you know about Kimbo Hell Slice, yeah, yeah. So from Miami, so I'm letting you know, like that was big down there. Yeah, like people like Jorge Masvidal, Alex Conceres, like all these guys used to fight in the backyard, and I used to watch them on YouTube before they became who they became, you know, including Kimbo Slice. Yeah, Kimbo's and backyard five thousand as well. Crazy, you know, so. I would watch all these guys, and my brother was right back there. We was one of them fighting. And even guys right now who fights in, like, BKFC, like a guy. There's a dude down there named Yuli Diaz. Shout out to Yuli. Um, 
he knew my brother. Like a lot of them knew my brothers from the backyard circuit. So wow. it was just cool. So that's a part of me. And that's like that. What I seen as a child translated as an adult. It was like, wow, I take martial arts serious. Wait, can we talk about your brother for a minute? Yeah. Because your brother was murdered by the police. Mm-hmm. And I want to hear you tell us what happened and how that changed your life. I just remember being at my friend Freebase's house and I was making a beat. And How old were you? I was 19 years old, 2014. This is right before I had to go to South by Southwest and right before I had to go on tour. So I didn't even have the proper time to grieve for real. Um, I was at his house. I was at Freebase's house and I was making a beat. My brother calls me. My brother was shot. I pick up the phone. I'm like, yo, what's up? I'm at Freebase House. What's going on? He was like, bro, are you alone? And I was like, yeah, you know. He was like, I got some bad news. I was like, what you mean? And he was like, Treon died today. So I was like, I immediately I hung up the phone and I rushed back to the house because I I was just in so much disbelief of what happened. And then they told me what happened when it came down to the police tasing him. And he went into cardiac arrest when he got tased. And then they transported his body to the hospital where they was able to revive his heart. So he could have survived, but something went wrong and something pierced his bowels, which caused him to poison his body. Oh. And then he ended up dying that way. Oh. How old was he? He was my age. I'm 27. Shit. Yeah, so. So how did that change your life? It just made me realize, like, you know, I was already talking about injustices back in the day of when Trayvon Martin happened because Trayvon Martin is also from Carroll City, where I'm from. So... Just that happening so close to home with my own family, I just, I, I just knew like, it, it, was, it was, it was, I was just lost at that point because I really couldn't believe that happened so close to home, you know, that happened to a family member that I, w- I would have never thought it would happen to somebody in my immediate family, and that was something that like pretty much hit all of us hard: my father, my mother, my brothers, and. Not on top of that, we had to bury my grandmother and him in the same week. So my grandmother Shit. passed first, and then we had to bury him a week later. And you talk about you went to South by Southwest, you kept working, you kept your schedule. So you said you didn't grieve properly. I didn't grieve properly. I was able to go back for the funeral and stuff like that because, you know, I had to be the pallbearer, me and my other brothers, and, and like, had to bury him. But it was, like, as in grieving, grieving, I never really got the chance it just made me want to like, I just became angry, like very angry, very angry about police and not fucking with them. And even to this day, I still don't fuck with police. Of course. So did that anger and depression go into your music? Of course it did. But it was like more stuff to be angry about, man. It was, it was a lot that I was dealing with that. That was just a piece of it. And it was just like feeling like just things weren't fair or wasn't in my favor when I was a child, you know? So that was one of them. Being abused as a kid, just everything trickling down into me being a very angry, depressed, sad person. What's some of the abuse you're talking about? Sexual abuse. A person in your family or a person in your community? person that I know. Close to family, but... who Who was... Touching you, yeah. fucked up ways. Yes. And what impact did that have on you? Well, as an adult, it made me like, I didn't really, that was something I like buried. You know what I'm saying? I wasn't really thinking about it. But when I was seeing like how I was objectifying women, treatment of women, the way I was with them, you know what I'm saying? Like treating them like objects. That's when I realized I was, you know, you you could be an addict and you could be, somebody that's a victim to your habits. You get what I'm saying? And making bad choices. Because there's a difference. I know the difference between making mistakes and making bad choices. So me making bad choices stem from that because I didn't even get to deal with that properly because, let's face it, therapy isn't normalized in a black community. No. It's Are not. you in therapy? Yeah. I've been in it for two years. That's why I'm chilling. And, and, and that's made a big difference. Made a big difference. And my therapist will always be like, yo, you got to find some type of faith. You know what I'm saying? Like spiritual. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So have you done that? Have I done that? I'm looking in the right places. 
I mean, I ain't going to be no Satanist or nothing like that. You know what I'm saying? Or atheist. I know I believe in God. Do you have a black therapist? Nope. My therapist is white. Because at different times in my life, I've thought about going to therapy and I've thought, do I need a black therapist because of the obvious connections? Or can I get what I need out of this with a white person or Asian person or whatever? I'm just a person like, if this your profession and you get the job done and you get it done right, I'm going to come to you. But you got to have a connection with that person. Nah, not really. The way I see it is like, we could build a connection. However, I want you to be totally different from me. Really? It gives another scope. So you can have a different perspective on you. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. No, I can see you need it. I mean, you got a lot on your spirit, a lot that you've been through that you're carrying you have an outlet, but you need to deal with that shit. Yeah. I, most people were like, put it in the music, put it in the music, put it in the art, put it in the music. You put it in the music, put it in the art, but it's not really doing anything. It's helping somebody else, yeah. But it's like, not helping you to it's put it out? It's, it does help me, but now, but it wasn't helping me find the emotional intelligence to really convey my message for mm. real, you know? So when it came down to therapy, it was a lot. I was holding back a lot of grief, a lot of guilt, a lot of tears, a lot of things. I only seen anger and and I seen depression. And I was like, why am I this depressed? And why am I this angry? Like, I shouldn't be this angry. Why am I this angry? Why do I have all these random outbursts? Because it was just life hitting me. And I just didn't know how to deal with it. And the trauma that's in you. Yeah, because the body keeps the score. Right. The body keeps the score. That's some therapy speak right there. You know, it keeps the score. Whatever you do, that body is keeping that score, you know? So it's up to you to really overturn that. And I just felt like if I do do therapy and I do do all this because trauma trickles down from something, like hurt people hurt people, hurt which people. is a true statement. Yes. Hurt people do hurt people. I don't know who hurt my attacker, you know what I'm saying? But all I know is I don't want to hurt people. And if I did hurt people, I would want to apologize for that. I would want to rectify that situation. I would want to help people. You know what I'm saying? you're trying to break the cycle. Yeah. Breaking the cycle is beating the odds. If I break the cycle, I beat the odds. You know? Not many people beat the odds. They could get out their situation, but they're still dealing with shit. Money doesn't change people. It only amplifies who you are. You know? Yes. I got money now. So it only was amplifying who I already was. Yeah. So if I know who I truly am... That's how I was able to like, okay, I can move forward if I know who I truly am. We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick, let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. My family uses DoorDash all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy. And we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy. And I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer. Because I know DoorDash is your door to more. Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered. One of the people who helped inspire me to want to be in broadcasting is Oprah Winfrey. She's an inspiration for so many of us, but her daytime talk show was so incredible. And it told me that you could be black and authentic and real on TV. And that made me want to do it, too. Black Stories, Black Truths is NPR's new collection that's a celebration of blackness. Each of NPR's black voices are as direct, varied, distinct and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and how to create world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account of what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. Black perspectives that haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story, but now they are the story. 
On NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center Black voices. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as varied, as nuanced, and as Black as we are. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get your podcasts. Influencer. It's a word that gets tossed around a lot these days. There is a woman who went the distance, who broke ground as the first true influencer by living a remarkable life. Her name, Elizabeth Taylor. I'm Katy Perry. This is the story of the original influencer. This is Elizabeth the First. Elizabeth the First, the podcast, wherever you listen. So wait, I want to hear about your album, right? Melt my eyes, see your future. A lot of fucking love is coming at you from that album. A lot of people are like, yo, this is the shit. Talk to me about some of the influences, what you're trying to do on that. You're making a clear distinction of like, this is me. I'm not going the alter ego route this time. I'm talking about me. And it's interesting that you made that choice in a moment when you're like, I'm in therapy. I'm trying to get to the root of me. So talk to me about this album, what you're trying to do, the influences, what you think you accomplished. I wanted to talk about things that I obviously were going through. And I wrote the things I was going through in 2018 after I finished Taboo. Right. And also I wrote about um, the genres that I wanted to do. So like trip hop and boom bap and jazz and acid jazz and, you know, jungle funk, like all that made its way. Like I manifested this on its own. And when I wrote Melt My Eyes as a name, I just thought it was like a really good title. And then as I kept working on the project, you know, it became more and more so about being aware of things. You know, aware of just yourself, your actions, things that are around you, your environment, what's happening in the world and the system and how it is, you know, just exposing the truth about oneself and think the things that created you around you. So that's the point of melt. The melt is the truth. Once you melt your eyes, you, you know, you, you there's nothing else you see. It's, that's what it is. It's the truth. Like me looking at you right here, doing this interview, I'm telling you everything that it is. But the truth of the matter is that I'm talking to you because you're helping me with my platform. That's the truth. And sure. I'm also giving you a great interview at the end Absolutely. of the day. So that's the truth. To see your future is how you navigate. It's like the self-realization. Once you realize that about yourself, then you could be able to navigate through whatever obstacle you have in your life because life is hard, but God is not going to give you what you can't handle. True. Talk to me about your songwriting process. Hmm. Songwriting process is if I feel it, I mess with it. If I don't feel it, you can't waste your time. Right. But that, so that's, if I like the beat, I'm a rock with it. But okay. Yeah, well, you could like a lot of beats. <clears throat> I could like a lot of beats in a row. I could like 10 beats in a row, but I probably wouldn't have whatever is said, you know, say the right thing on those beats at that moment because that you may have liked them, but nothing calls you to write on it. So, you so something that speaks to you. Exactly. When a beat plays and I'm automatically saying stuff, just blurting it, that's my soul speaking. Right. I'm putting my soul on a record. So in a way, I'm selling my soul. Sure. So. Are you writing or are you just talking? I'm writing. On right. a pen or on a phone? Phone. And some sometimes on a piece of paper. So you, you get the beat. And how long does it take? Is it quick or does it take time? Some songs. For instance, a song I did called Walking. Didn't take me that long to do. It was really quick. Songs like The Last, which is on a project, took me months. 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 Months to get the writing right. Yeah, because you don't want to just rush the second verse. Yes. That second verse got to hit like the first one. Yes. And be even better. Usually the third verse is kind of like, 
right? Yeah. Like not your music, but just music in general. The first verse, if the song is good, the first verse is going to crush it. Mm -hmm. Second verse may crush it, may just be okay. The third verse, it's kind of like he's like, I need something else to finish the song. Yeah, nah, but there's songs that are like when you have three verses and they're all good. Like Mortal Man, I really like from Kendrick Lamar. Like he had well, Kendrick a, is fucking special. Man. Kendrick is special. There, there ain't Kendrick. no fucking soft verses from Kendrick at all. Got a point. But you are thinking about. I mean, like Ice Cube talked to me about. Yo, know, the first line has to like punch you in the face. And some people kind of work their way into the song. And some people are like, yo, the, the beginning, the first line has to be like, bam. Mm-hmm. With me, it's just, my music was, before you heard Melt, was very in your face. A lot of it was in your face. So that first line is the one that's going to determine like people, if the people going to like it or not, you know, and they got to follow along to it. Are you, I write the lyrics and then figure out the chorus? You figure out the chorus and the hook first and then the lyrics? I like figuring out the hook first. first. And then there's some songs that don't really call for it. Like you get the hook later on and you're like, oh, okay, okay. You know, but if you try to duplicate that process, is the second thing you're going to make is not going to be hitting. So each song has to have its own process mm -hmm. and come about its own way. Exactly. You know, if it comes out of you and it sounds like a hook, that's the hook. If it comes out of you and it sounds like a verse, that's the verse. Yeah. Is there a favorite song that sort of like came out the easiest and you're like, yo, this is the closest to what I heard in my head? Um, can't really say. It's just like everything just, everything just came together the way it is. I wouldn't say... Because to be honest with you, I just knew how it was going to sound, but I didn't know how it was going to sound in my head because it changed over time. Mm. So it wasn't like straight up like, oh, this is what I was hearing in my head. I'm going to put this on paper. You know? Are you one, two takes or you like do it over and over to make sure it sounds like exactly the way you want? I do it over and over. But if it comes out in one take. I'll do it, and if it sounds like I'm reading, I will redo it. And if I like certain parts, but I don't like a certain part, I will go in and cut. And, and, just, and punch. I will punch. Like, I will do the whole thing, and then I'll make the lines cleaner by punching in new ones, you know, just to make sure it hits at each time or the flow is on point. I appreciate an MC who talks about punching because a lot of guys will come in here and say, oh, no, no. I never punch. I just spit. Nah. <laughs> like, I tell, a, nah, a lot more people punching, and there's nothing wrong with it, man. A lot more people punching than admitting to. Yeah, but it's just like some songs do come out in one take, and some songs I had to punch. But the main thing is I'm telling you the truth of what's going on. I'm getting, you know, like that's how it is. I just didn't want to put on a facade for people to, and, you know, and they'd be like, oh, he's so amazing, this, that, and third. No, man, I go through shit. Who are the MCs who helped form you? You mean as in influence-wise? Yeah, yeah, as in influence, whether or not you knew them. Maybe some of them you knew, maybe some of them you just listened to. But who are the MCs who helped, yeah, like influence you to be the MC you are? Well, there's a variety of them. So certain artists, I'm not going to just say MCs, just artists. The artists. Okay, um... First album I ever bought was Lupe Fiasco's Food and Liquor. Okay. In high school, I was super into Kid Cudi. Um, along those ways, my brother, who passed away, used to sell bootlegs. So I was hip to Kanye West's Graduation. That's one of my favorite albums by Kanye West. And I became like a super Kanye West fan. You I think like, that's his best record? Oh, Graduation, to me, next to um, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy is... Is up there. I mean, to me, Dark Twisted Fantasy really goes to an artistic, ambitious, crazy place. And you think Graduation didn't? To me, I think that Graduation is the less... Yeah, I it do. It went there. I do. It did go there. It went to a creative place. Just think I mean, about obviously it. Obviously, all his as, work is creative. Yeah, but as a child, 
as somebody, or what it came out in 2007? Something like that. Yeah. Around that time, you know, I think I was in middle school around this time. I'm pretty sure I was in middle school around this time. Hearing that tape, looking at that artwork, that colorful, playful. Very playful. Very playful, colorful work that, um, t- uh, what's his name, uh, Mirakami did. Yeah, Takashi Murakami. Yeah. yeah. I was like astounded. I was just like, yo, he did a cartoon cover. Like, yeah. what? Like, you could do that? You know, I was just, that's what made me interested. I, you know, wasn't the biggest fan of Stronger, but can't tell me nothing and good life. And then when I heard the tape and Barry Bonds came on with him and Lil Wayne and uh, uh, what's that? Uh, Wonder. Yeah. I Wonder. It's one of the best songs on that tape. Uh, Champion. I mean, the sound, the sound and the art were very cohesive. Yes, and that's why I was like, "Yo, this is one of the best albums I've ever heard." There's definitely a sense of play and joy, and fooling around and having fun, right? In those early Kanye records. Later on, you get more into the the masks of it all, and you're like, "Where are you really in this?" Those early records, just like, let's have fun. And so many rappers are afraid to like just have fun with it. Yeah, because it's an image. You got to portray an image. So if you're going to portray this tough guy, you're going to play that for the rest of your life. If you're going to play this gangster role, you're going to play that for the rest of your life. And it might come with danger. People who listen to stuff, and I even said this um, with Key Glock when me and him was talking, I just feel like rap fans, the common rap fans nowadays want to get enjoyment to seeing artists fuck their life up. You think rap fans want to see y'all fuck Not your all life? of them. But some rap fans want to see y'all fuck your lives up? Some of them do because they like, see it like, as... Like the level of like going to prison, ODing, dying, whatever. You think that's what fans want to see? People would be so eager to say, oh, rest in peace to somebody, he's a legend nowadays, then them bigging them up when they're alive. That's a hard truth and a hard pill to swallow. They always want to say free somebody, but when it was free, you don't appreciate them. Am I right or am I wrong? I mean, there's a lot of MCs who have who have died, who gone to OD, who had you know crazy things happen to them. I mean, I'm not sure I'm rooting for that to happen. That you get an extra level of attention on somebody when something crazy happens to them. You know what I mean? Like your friends who are going through their normal lives, you know, maybe you forgot about so-and-so for a minute. He gets in a car crash, you're calling him, you're checking yeah, on him. Nah, that doesn't mean you didn't give a shit about him before. No, it's not even that. It's just like, my main thing is, most people don't give a shit about you and will probably say the craziest thing to you before something bad happens to you. And then once it happens to you, now you want to be in open arms and be like, oh, I, love I really you. love this person, this, that, and the third. Then where was the love? If you're going to show love, show love. If you're going to hate, hate. Stay a hater even after my death. <laughs> Stay a hater. And there is something natural about when somebody dies like we stop fighting with them, right? We stop hating them. We want to try to see the good in them, even if they are the worst gangster. Like, well, he was nice on Sundays. No, man. <laughs> fuck that. If he was a fuck boy when he was alive, let Dude, him be hating. a fuck nigga when he dead. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not going to disrespect the dead because that's not in my nature. I don't, but unless you, it's like Hitler or somebody. But you, but like, you as an artist, if you think, a lot of the fans are, you think they're kind of hoping that something crazy happened to you and then they'll fucking change their, is that what you think? Yeah. Some people just want to laugh at you when you mess up. You think, listen, Kanye West said this. We're going you back think to Kanye. fans want to laugh at you? Your fans love you. No, my fans that love me, love me, they love me. Yeah. But people that don't like me for whatever reason are waiting for me to fuck up. Yeah. And yeah. it happens. I'm human. I'm going to fuck up. I'm trying to make less fuck ups. Well, there's a difference between, you know, something happens to you versus you make a mistake. 
No, there's mis- there's mistakes and there's bad choices. A mistake sure. is if I step on your, you know, sure. unintentionally step on your shoe right now. Sure. That's a mistake. Sure. Me stepping on your shoe on purpose and being like, oh, I'm sorry because you about to whoop my ass. <laughs> that was a bad choice. <laughs> Do you have any idea of what might get you? Like, if you're like, something's going to happen to me. Can you foresee like, yo, this is my vulnerability. This, this is where I might get caught slipping. Say that one more time. You know what I mean? Like, like, like if you're aware of your weaknesses or your vulnerabilities, you might be able to say, yo, if you see, if 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 you see Denzel get caught out there five, ten years in the future, whatever, this is the thing that got me fucked up. Cause I know I like to gamble or I like women or I like drugs or whatever. So, right. you know, you see a headline on me, it's probably cause it's too many women or it's, it's too many drugs or it's too much of this or whatever. Yeah, too much of anything is a bad thing. Sure. You know, like you see all these football players that just play and constantly play over and over. Next thing you know, they get CT. Yeah. You yeah, so too much of anything is a bad thing. But even in the future, I, that's why I want to nip certain things in the bud at this age like so what? I won't have to worry about it later on. Like what? Just like, I don't know. Just bullshit I don't into. Bullshit I was was into. Like making sure bad habits that I did have don't resurface. I mean, for a person in Europe's shoes, drug addiction is normal, right? Or at least drug use slash abuse is is normal, right? A lot of rappers, you know, take something to wake up, keep it going all day, work late in the night, whatever, whatever, you mm. know. I don't work late at night. I like working during the day. You you record during the day? Give off, man. Listen, why do I gotta be up at vampire hours? I'm gonna look old by thirty. <laughs> That's the I nature know, of MC, and everybody records no, after midnight. That's not the nature. I could change that shit. Fuck that. <laughs> anyway, I would like to look young for the next thirty something years. <laughs> and on top of that, like, nigga, meet me during the day. Like, why y'all meeting at <laughs> night, bitch? This ain't Blade. <laughs> <laughs> every producer is available during the day because everybody else want to work at night. Yeah, everybody want to. Yeah, exactly. Duh. So it's like if I know you're going to work at night and you're sleeping during the day, you can meet me at six o'clock, six o'clock, six to one. Cool. <laughs> like fuck with me from six to one. That's the latest I'll go. One o'clock. I got six hours to accomplish three tracks. I have enough time. <laughs> fuck. I need to go out. And do 10-hour, 24-hour stretches sleeping in the studio just to make one song that probably won't go on the album. Get the fuck out of here. You know what I'm saying? Like, why? That's fucking stupid. I'm changing the I'm gonna change the game in that way. Like, bro, this is my 95. I still make great music regardless of it's day, night, midday, afternoon, early in the morning, six in the morning, seven in the morning. Hell shit. If there's no sun, if there's no moon, like I'm gonna make that shit. Like, how else are you trying to change the game? How else am I trying to change it? Man, listen, we already have a narrative around, like, how the culture should be. Like, I remember somebody, it was a girl, that told me, like, you don't act black. And I was like, what the fuck does that mean? He's like, well, you don't. He's like, because I don't do this, and I like this, and I like this. Yeah, you like rock and shit. First of all, lady, rock was made by black people. Let's get that straight. Exactly. Let's get that fucking straight. Rock was made by black people, okay? Yes. So... You can't really tell me shit about me liking rock. Yeah. Like majority of the music that we were into that was made by black people. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? You want to talk to me about punk? Okay. Listen, Bad Brains is one of the best punk artists of all time. Of course. Can't tell me shit about that. You know? So if I want to listen to Pantera and all these other motherfuckers, I'm going to do it. It doesn't make you not black. Yeah. Like it's just like my black car get revoked. But you could give it to Jack Harlow. Like, it's like <laughs> nobody's doing that. It's interesting you it's interesting that you have heard that. No disrespect to Jack Harlow, I love you. <laughs> and it's like because I've been through that, right? You ain't black and da-da-da-da. And it's unfair, it's whack, it's bullshit. It's but super our, unfair. our backgrounds unfair. are totally different. And when I look at my background, I can kind of see where some people might have tried to make that mistake. Right, and, and make that perception on me. But you're from the hood. Nothing about you says to me, you're not black. 
Like, I don't even understand like that you like, I don't even understand where that spirit is coming. It was just like, you don't act black. And then I was like, instead of going off, I was like, what does act black mean? Exactly. Because exactly. there, there's no real answer. They can't answer that question. You can't answer that shit. No. What does acting black mean without you being fucking ignorant? Right. As if there's one way. Like, there's no way of being black. I'm black. I'm born this way. If I get pulled over, they're going to search me. Period. Right. But rock and roll. Like, because I like, like, I'm like metal. Okay. <laughs> so what? It's fucking stupid. You had like Lil Wayne, they make prom queen, nigga. Right, like, right, right. You were so we were going through some of your biggest influences. You said Kanye, you said Lupe. Who else? Um, shoot, like Pharrell. You know what I'm saying? Um, who else? I'm Big L is a big, big influence. Like I love digging in the crates, and I just did some hip hop trivia today, and I like shocked a lot of people because they didn't know my hip hop knowledge went from way back. They got me on some couple questions, but you know, gave them a whole lot of answers. Um, but yeah, Big L is definitely one of the. Influences Nas. Oh man, how can I forget about that? Nas. There was a period where I got into Nas heavy because I heard Illmatic and I heard like songs like um, "It Ain't Hard to Tell." Um, Jay Z, of course. Of course. You know what I'm saying? There was a time where I would do an impression of Jay Z as a kid because I had the the hat, the brim, and then was, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> and the low boy. And I always used to love the way Jay Z rapped because I was always watching um, um, MTV. I remember they did a. They did one on VHS where they had all his videos playing, like from way back. I'm talking about like from where he was wearing the Hawaii shirts with Jazzo to Dead Presidents to uh, what they call it, Imaginary Players. I was watching. What does eating healthy mean to you? Whatever your eating goals, Thrive Market is the best place to get all your groceries and household essentials. And getting Thrive shipped to your door is like having a great supermarket right outside your house. I love that Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and ethical sourcing methods. Whether you're looking for organic kid snacks or low sugar alternatives or gluten-free essentials, Thrive Market's got it and their site lets you curate your shopping experience quickly. And as a Thrive member, I save on every order, usually about 30%, which of course I love. And when you join, you help a family in need with the membership matching program. Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a $60 gift for free. Go to thrivemarket.com slash for 30% off your first order plus that free $60 gift. That's Thrive, T-H-R-I-V-E Market. Dot com slash Toray. Thrivemarket.com slash Toray. On March 16th, 2000, two sheriff's deputies were shot in Atlanta. Jamil Alamine, a Muslim leader and former black power activist, was convicted. But the evidence was shaky, and the whole truth didn't come out during the trial. My name is Mosi Secret, and when I started investigating this case in my hometown, I uncovered a dark truth about America. From Tinderfoot TV, Campside Media, and iHeart Podcasts, Radical is available now. Listen to the new podcast, Radical, for free on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. All that coming up, you know? And then I was torn between Jay-Z and Nas, but I was like, man, I'm pro-Nas because Ether was hard. And then <laughs> as I got older, I'm like, damn, Takeover was pretty hard, too. Like, Takeover was hard as shit. Takeover was hard. Super Ugly was hard as fuck. Super too. Ugly was dope, but, you know, Nas had that Ether. The beat trash, but... Beat was definitely trash. It was trash, Shout out to Hit Boy because you you brought Nas out of that. Thank God. Florida hip hop's an interesting thing. It is. They've had some major players in the game. Rick Ross, obviously, two live crew, legendary. Some other folks. What do you think about Florida hip hop, Miami hip hop in general? Listen, I'm going to tell you the problem of it. Problem with Florida hip hop is there ain't no motherfucking unity. There ain't no unity. I don't give a damn who you is. There's unity if you popping, but once they get what you get, it's over. What there do you mean no, by unity? There is no unity. There's no like way of people collaborating with each other without them hating on each other later. I ain't with all that shit. There ain't no unity. And I want people to be united down there. 
And it's just, they feel like it's a crab. They always said, like, it's a crab in the bucket city. It won't work out. And I was like, it's going to work out one day. If everybody on the same page are getting money, maybe it'll work out. Do you see that unity in L.A., in New York? I see it more, majority of the time when you talk to a Florida artist, they want to compare it to Atlanta. Like, Atlanta, damn, so that run shit so right now because they bring, they bring people in. Whoever they got up, they're going to bring them in. And I feel like Florida need a system like that. Like, L.A. got OGs, you know what I'm saying, that, like, make sure everybody is seen in some way. And it trickle down generation to generation to generation. Same with New York. Y'all got y'all OGs, and then generation by generation by generation, they bring in new people and who they messing with. You know what I'm saying? They do the same thing. Same with L.A. You got they OGs, and they bring in people generation to generation to generation. Miami and they like doesn't each other. do that. Miami, no. It's Why? Like, I don't know why, because maybe the OGs don't get along and maybe I could be wrong. I could be wrong. You know, Ross is technically my OG and I fuck with Ross. You know what I'm saying? Like I fuck with Trick and I fuck with Trina and I seen Trick and Trina, well, Trick and Trina. I seen Ross and Trina on different occasions. I never met Trick, but me and Trick had, I think uh, there was an interview back and forth that we had one time when I said uh, the OGs don't fuck with us like that when I was like 19. And I fuck with Trick Daddy. Like, I've been to his concert, never met him before, but I know, like, you know, he did a lot for the kids out there. You feel me? There's three and it's just women I've interviewed that were so beautiful, made me forget what I was, where I was going, and Trina was one of them that I Duh, just kept did, did looking she, at her like, I forget she, where I'm, my next question. She is the baddest bitch. And she was sitting down, so it's not about... The body and the back and all that, it was about the face was like, yo, you are so beautiful. She's I gorgeous. Just... Me and Trina's um, niece are really good friends. Okay. Because I, we went to Carrier City together. Okay. And that's my homie. So shout out to LaDon. That's my dog. Um, yeah, man. So basically, I just feel like there was no system for that. Like, it could be a system now where it could have been me, Kodak, Whoever coming out of Florida, like Hot Boy, all these other guys and shit, creating a system of like, all right, everybody's bringing up somebody. Aside from uh, that, together. what's great about Miami? Well, aside, aside from that, oh, Miami's great. Food's great. The beaches, the women are beautiful. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Good city to party at. You know what I mean? And on top of that, it's just all around sun. Like, we don't got winter. We don't got four seasons like that. We may have scattered showers and some hurricanes. But other than that, bro, we are chilling. Sometimes it feels like you have left America, kind of, in, in a Miami, right? It has, like, a, a bit of a Caribbean not vibe a little bit. to it. It's not a little a bit. Lot. It's a lot. My people's a Caribbean. Uh Kodak's people are Caribbean. A lot of Cuban vibe. Everybody's, a lot of Caribbean yep. vibe. Pitbulls, Caribbean. You yep. know what I'm saying? Cubans, Puerto Ricans, Haitians, Jamaicans, Bahamians, uh, Dominicans, Venezuelans. Everybody's down there. I mean, when I'm in Miami, and like I'm not from Miami, so of course when I go to Miami, I feel like I want a vacation. But I feel like everybody's on vacation in Miami, right? Like the shirts are low or off. People are chilling. Right? Other places, like when I go to San Francisco, I'm vacation, but I don't feel like they're on vacation. Nah. They I feel, feel like, like in, they're working. Yeah. In LA, they're working. I'm taking a break. But when I go to Miami, I'm like, everybody's on vacation here. Uh, not everybody's on vacation. <laughs> we just vibing. <laughs> you know? But the but, hood is crazy in Miami. Hmm? The hood shit is crazy. It is. That's why I'm like, man, when I was mentioning to you about all these artists, all these people are talented. Everyone that I mentioned is talented. City girls, they're talented. Um, I'm like, man, my main thing is I want to push this shit forward. Like, yeah, my music sounds different than every, all these guys that's coming out the crib right now. But I want to push this shit forward. Like, if you ain't trying to help me um, push this shit forward, then I don't want to fuck with you. Mm, mm. And maybe you don't want to fuck with me. Cool. Clearly, but everybody whatever. wants to fuck with you right now, though. Nah, not Fucking everybody. Hot, but as soon as it comes to that, to the crib situation, I'm I'm letting you know, whoever, I'm trying to push this shit forward. Like, I don't give a damn what my music sound like. Let's help other motherfuckers move their shit, too. I don't give a damn about that shit. Figure that shit out. I don't know how. Somebody better push somebody along because it can't be just us out here doing it and then we got to redo this shit all over again. Last thing, 
What is your superpower? What is the thing you do better than other people that has led to your success? Be black. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what does that mean to you? Just black, bro. Being black. Strong color. Hell yeah. I'll just f- <laughs> no, I'll not but fuck I'm- with you. It's true. But nah, but that's not my superpower. I'll just bullshit. Um my superpower, man, is I don't know, getting people together. That's, I think that's my superpower. But being black is really important, I think. For both of us. It's very important. I mean, like, it, it, it definitely leaves me feeling connected to all the people who came before us who, like, fought and died and lived so we could have our opportunities. Is that what it means to you? Yeah, I want to provide opportunities for people. I look at... All these other communities, especially the community I live in, and we got so many outlets. And then knowing where I came from, there's not really that much. It's not really that much outlets. Going back to Miami, I realized they don't have the same stuff that L.A. and or New York has. Just people trying to make it. And then it's just like everybody's stepping on each other's toes. It got to be something different. Like, especially where I'm at, I'm like, yo, I'm over here, but I have yet to go back and give back. And that's something I constantly think about because I think it's survivor's guilt. Wow. You know what I'm saying? Like, I've watched a lot of my friends, including my brother, die down there. I watched a lot of people just fall victim to the to how Miami is just simple living, you know? And I'm just like, man, I know I could do more now than I did then. So I think my best attribute is getting people together. Thanks so much to Denzel for a great interview. And thanks to you for listening. Torre Show gives you fuel to power your dreams because you can use your dreams like a rocket ship to blast you into a life you never imagined. You can make your dreams a reality and maybe this show can help. You can find me on Twitter at Torre and on Instagram at Torre Show. Torre Show is written by me, Torre, and produced by Jennifer Ford. Our editors, Ryan Woodhull. Our photographers are Chuck Marcus and Shanta Covington and Nick Karp. Our booker is Claudia Jean, and we're distributed by DCP Entertainment. And we will be back on Wednesday with more amazing guests because the man can't shut us down. 